Hello, animation fans, and welcome to another iAnimate podcast. I'm your host, Larry Vasquez, and you're listening to episode 68. In this episode, we interview longtime industry veteran Keith Lengo. Uh, Keith has been an animation director. He has worked on such titles as Halo, Portal, Counter-Strike, Team Fortress, and has worked at such studios as Valve, Blur, Sony, Rillifex, um, Blue Sky, <laughs> uh, just to name a few. Um, one of the cool parts about what I get to do here at iAnimate in these podcasts is to interview a variety of great guests. And um, one of the neat parts was a couple podcasts back, we interviewed uh, one of our feature alumni, uh, Ravi Campbell Govin. And I hope you listened to that one. Really, really cool podcast. And uh, in that podcast, he mentioned um, before there's places like iAnimate where he came to learn, um, trying to learn animation and came across... Uh, tutorials from none other than Keith Lango. Um, so it's just kind of really neat to be able to, as I said, interview a variety of diverse guests. Um, but when you hear somebody who's been in the industry for a long time, someone who was a feature alumni more recent uh, in the last couple of years, and um, kind of come in full circle and how they uh, all interact and kind of come together is just a really neat thing. Uh, Keith is also one of our new game instructors teaching here at iAnimate. So it was just a great opportunity to get someone in here who's worked in the industry for such a long time, a pioneer, so to speak, in a lot of the online training. Um, as I said before, you know, places like iAnimate and uh, now teaching here. So definitely check out this podcast. Keith, uh, first off, I'd like to thank you for joining us in this podcast. This is a really neat honor. Um, it was kind of funny. I had a podcast, our last podcast, with uh, one of our feature alumni, um, Ravi Campbell Govine. Um, phenomenal animator. Uh, he was just kind of talking about how before places like iAnimate, he was hungry for animation. And uh, so he came across some training from Keith Lango. And I started cracking up. He's like, what? He's, I said, he's one of our uh, games instructor now. And he's like, no way. And so, so it's just, cool. it's really neat to see somebody mm -hmm. like that who's a phenomenal animator having come across your training and just the influence you've been in this community. So it's just a neat honor to have you in this podcast as well as one of our instructors. So thank you very much. Well, cool. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, I'm, I'm glad you guys are happy to have me. I'm always happy <laughs> to have people happy to have me. <laughs> well, um, you being kind of a uh, pioneer in a lot of the CG aspect of it, mm -hmm. I, I'm curious, you know, obviously iAnimate's a great program for people to come in and learn animation, but we've only been in uh, business for about nine years now, well before or well later than when you started animation. So how did you start out in animation? Oh, geez. Yeah. Um, Probably early nineties. Okay. Uh, back then there was, you didn't really have schools. Um, right. Shoot. When I started, there was barely an internet. Uh, <laughs> was, I think, uh, yeah. I actually started doing CG stuff probably about 93. Um, and that's just about when I'm like, Hey, look, there's this thing called AOL. You've got mail. <laughs> and, um, yeah, it, was, it was pretty wild. So uh, I was just kind of doing general CG stuff then and because um, that's what everybody did. And there wasn't any schools. Uh, there was, maybe you would get a computer science degree at like um, University of Utah or Utah State or something like that if you wanted to be the guy who wrote um, self-shadowing or anti-aliasing. Mm. Like, that, that was back when I started, when we were just like inventing anti-aliasing. <laughs> um, so it was a while ago. Uh, if you wanted to go to animation school, there was, of course, CalArts, which was expensive and portfolio review and um, never much of a, a talent when it comes to um, hand-drawn. Uh, my, 
my ambitions far outstripped my abilities. <laughs> and, um, so just stumbling across, uh, I was doing some desktop publishing and working at, a, at the, the newspaper in the city of Rochester, New York. So it was at the big Gannett paper. I was working in the ad department and uh, doing ad pay stuff, you know, just whatever you do. And also doing freelance ads, you know, print work uh, for color process and stuff for magazines and things. And then had an agent for illustration. So it was pretty cool. Uh, one young fellow came from uh, Rensselaer RPI, I think. Anyways, up in the upstate New York, he came and he showed this tiny little render. I mean, it, it was about the size of a postage stamp, no, no lie, of a golden Tutankhamun um, head. You know, I was like, it was a glistening and it was, it was compelling as hell. I was like, oh my gosh, what is that? Because he's like, well, it's, you know, it's this thing, it's CG. And I'm like, tell me more. <laughs> and he's like, you know, but he was also, he was also a, a bit of a self-important DB about things and, you know, really big time people. And one of my big motivations for teaching early on was just how, how many people just big timed me when I was mm. just trying to find stuff out. And back then, like I said, the knowledge about this stuff was so scarce. There wasn't anything. CG was in its infancy in many ways. Right. And you got to remember, Pixar started in what, 1988? Yeah, very late 80s. Somewhere around then. So I'm like, you know, I'm not even 10 years after, you know, the first thing they're doing, right? And I think they won their, yeah, the first Oscar in 88 or something. But anyways, it was not very far into it. Um, and you had guys who were doing, you know, flying logo work at the local um, – you know, broadcast shops and stuff. And I would, I would reach out to them and say anything you could share. And they just big time me like, nah, I don't have time to deal with you. And they were really protective about their knowledge. Mm. I learned later on it's because they didn't know, they, they weren't really good. <laughs> it's just because, you know, the only thing they knew how to do was push buttons on a, on a turn, on a turnkey system. You know, they could run, they could run uh, you know, Wavefront or, or, or Soft Image on a, on a Silicon graphics machine that cost more than the house I grew up in. Right. Yeah. And, um, it was just, it was so frustrating. So that was about when I started it. Um, when I got that little exposure to, um, the, the CG stuff, I kind of got a bug. I'm like, I can do this like this. I, I feel like I can do, mm-hmm. um, cause it seemed like a, a good adjunct to the, to the digital art stuff I was already doing. Um, so took out a loan. Uh, my wife worked at the university of Rochester medical center as a nurse. So I got student discounts legit. Nice. Um, bought a computer, bought a Strata studio pro infinity and Photoshop 1.5. I think it was, <laughs> um, might've been Photoshop one and, uh, just started teaching myself, just making mistakes. Um, and again, reaching out to people, trying to find <clears throat> folks to give feedback and then, there was this little community on AOL. It was like the, the Thursday night CG chat or something like that. And there's still, there's still guys out there from that, from that original time. Who oh, very cool. Around. You know, like uh, Steve Tarkowski still out there doing stuff with Sketchbot. And I'm not sure if Rick May is still doing things, but that was where, you know, Rick May from CG character, you know, forums was hanging out. And, um, these are like old ancient names. So some people are going to listen to this and go, I remember that. And other people are going to be like, dude, what are you talking about? Might as well be talking about wagons or something. Um, but it was, it was pretty cool. You know, we had started a little community. I was living in upstate New York. There wasn't any work around for this stuff. So from the very start, I just started doing freelance over the internet, what little there was of it. Um, so yeah, just there was no options. You, if you wanted to do it, you just had to go jump into it. it. I'm, just, I'm just going to do it. Yeah. How did you start kind of making your inroads into to CG? 
Well, from there, um, start getting work from it and things of that nature. Yeah. <laughs> Man, some of those first jobs are really something. Um, <laughs> so, you know, you just do a lot of, uh, I started incorporating CG stuff into my um, uh, illustration work Okay. Um, from print. And that started to kind of be like, I was starting to build up a portfolio of things. And I was really good at the lighting um, and, and shading and stuff like that. Like I can just capture that idea. Um and so probably, I want to say 94, 95, I um, was kind of getting into some other stuff. And there was a guy in, in outside the Buffalo area where I was living at the time. He was doing um, model libraries for lightweight users. On the okay. <clears throat> and so um, he was selling these things on DVDs, you know, or sorry, CD-ROMs, <laughs> even before DVDs, on CD-ROMs. And he would sell like, you know, this is for architectural stuff like, Oh, you know, populate your thing with you know chairs or lamps or whatever. And he just needed people to make stuff. So I was just making stuff. That was the kind of job where I had to bring my own computer to work. Okay. <laughs> so little money. Yeah. I had to bring my own computer to work every day. Um, started doing, and I, and I actually did like a couple of series of things. And then from there, I got a job at a company that specialized in um, training airport security screeners. This is back before nine 11 back, you know, and they did worldwide and, um, you know, they, <laughs> the challenge then was these, these for clients, they had, uh, you know, Hong Kong and UK and Israel where airport security screening at those places was really high end because they had issues. Whereas in the United States, it was always to the lowest bidder. <laughs> so the, let's just say that the, the talent pool on which to draw for security screeners in the United States for the longest time was the bottom of the barrel. Gotcha. So the training, they couldn't pass the training. So they had to turn the training from an academic exercise almost into a game. And so they hired me and a couple other guys. One guy did interface and I just, I made animations. We did like little game things so that people can learn like how to properly check somebody, how to pat them down, how to wave them over, you know, like all the, and you know, how to spot a thing in an x-ray. So I did like x-ray shaders way back before I even knew that there was a thing for x-ray shaders. Um, so you're having to do, Oh, kind of the whole pipeline. Oh yeah. Yeah. The whole gotcha. thing. Yeah, and that's how it was back then. I mean, it was pretty rare. You could specialize in anything. Gotcha. Um, it was pretty really rare. Actually my first film job offer was as a lighter, not as a, Oh, interesting. As an animator. Okay. Yeah. Um, I think that was for starship troopers, the Verhoeven film. They, oh, okay. they offered me a job for, to be a lighter, but I wanted to be an animator. And so, uh, I, I turned it down and, um, and I was making like little short films and stuff uh, just and putting them up online. Like this is pre YouTube. So it's like, I don't even know where I put them. <laughs> but the stuff back then was all viral. Everybody, if you were in it, there wasn't very many people uh, doing it. So everybody was hungry for something. And so I was doing these little short clips, little snippets, and I even made little short films, but I'd already seen by then like Jurassic park. And then I think probably toy story was very, yeah. Early yeah. That time right around then and I said, Make, I'm always been a storyteller. I want to tell stories. I want to make things to life. There's a bit of a performance ham in me. Um, so I thought I want to be an animator. So a couple of these short films caught the, caught the eye of some folks at uh, Big Idea in uh, Chicago. Yeah, yeah I remember you folks. working for VeggieTales. Yeah. Yep. <clears throat> and so uh, they offered me a job to come in and work there. And Very cool. It, it really it wasn't as an animator, actually, to start with. It was in their print division because of my illustration background. Okay, so, really? Yeah, they didn't hire me as an animator. When I when I got hired, it was the guys in the 3D design group that were finding my stuff, and the animators didn't know who I was. But it didn't 
take terribly long for folks to realize that's what I was probably better suited to do. So. Did you kind of figure that going in there? Because, I mean, obviously, if you wanted to go the animation route, taking some more print type stuff wouldn't necessarily help you in that sense. So did you figure, hey, look, this may be a good in, and I'll, I'll kind of work my way over there? Um, by then, it was probably 98, 99. So I was feeling like I'm ready for, like, to work at a real studio. Okay, you know? okay. So I felt like, um, hey, they're offering me more than I've ever made as a freelancer. Mm. Um, and, you know, we, we had a young family at the time. So it was like, hey, this is good. They're offering health insurance. And, hey, you know, it's something new. It's, it's different. I really like them. I like the folks. They were super, super kind. Um, and still some lifelong friends out of it. So it was just like, you know, it's a good situation. Good opportunity. Know, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't know if I'm ever going to get into the animation side of things or not. But if I do, hey, great. If I don't, I'm not unhappy. Right, um, right. But it only took about <clears throat> not even a year for me to get up into the animation studio. And um, it wasn't actually even on the VeggieTales. It was on the new property, uh, 321 Penguins. Oh, okay, and okay. A completely different production model. Like VeggieTales was very much like your typical film studio where you have a modeling department, layout department, animation, all the departments and department heads. And it was kind of built, modeled after that typical system whereas with these other one they wanted to start something new kind of diversify but they didn't want to make a huge investment because they weren't sure if it was going to take off so it was just a team of generalists which i fit perfectly for mm. um and so in there you know you got guys like mike comet who's been at pixar for 12 years now you got uh, mike Lobach who's been all over the place he's in sony image image works and then Leica, and then ilm just Guys are, you know, Everett Downing's there. He's now at Netflix doing his own show. Mm. And Eric oh, yeah, Hotline yeah. was in that room. Um, uh, Mark Beam was in that room. I was in that room. It was like, it was like an all-star incubator. Oh, that's it was great. really amazing. Like, because all these guys are super talented, but we're all kind of early in our career. And we're all just like, okay, there's 13 of us. We're making a show. Let's do it. And um, yeah, that out of that room, some real, some real talent came out of it. And yeah, we've had a podcast with Everett as well. He's a great guy. Yeah. Very good. Yeah, guy. Everett's real fun. Yeah, he was there for a bit and then, you know, everybody then kind of moves on to other things and stuff, but um, Yeah, I guess part of the reason why I asked that too is because it's kind of like not despising, you know, small beginnings, you know. So, yeah. um you kind of see what happens when you jump in, you take a, yeah. a, a you know, jump into a studio that may not be the biggest or whatever and you're maybe more of a generalist at the time, but you're getting to do some animation before you know it, you're getting into do more animation or it's leading to another project that you are going to do sure, more of what yeah. you really want. So I just, that's oh, kind of why absolutely. I asked that. Yeah. One of my biggest frustrations when I was actually back teaching before was I had students have this idea and I'm, maybe it was the marketing of, of people trying to, you know, tell them this is how it works. And, I, right. and, and you know, you have to accept that that's perhaps what's going on. We're telling them a, a version of reality that isn't real. Um, and the idea is like, you know, you just get some training and then you're going to get a job at, uh, you know, DreamWorks. And it's right. Like, that, you know what? Most of the guys working at DreamWorks, that's not how we got here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Thank you for telling we, the truth. We, yeah. Yeah. yeah we, we work some, we work some really butt jobs some really, <laughs> and some really butt projects and made lots of mistakes. And if you take a look at our early demo reel, like, mm. geez, that stuff sucks so bad. <laughs> but we're learning, right? We're getting paid, right. we're learning and we're growing. And that's, that's what it means. Like, I mean, Aaron Hartline is a fantastic animator, but I can tell you when he started, it was rough. Just mm. like for me, just like for everybody. Right, you know? right. Um, 
it was just the way it was. Yeah. And <clears throat> so I always try to tell students, hey, man, don't take it as a bad thing. If you, you know, the only job you're getting an offer for is like some little regional studio doing commercials, um, you know, or you're just a little thing here. And, oh, I don't want to make, I don't want to make car commercials. Well, that's what we did. Yeah. You know? <laughs> um, so just, just do it right. Flying logo stuff, whatever it is. Don't, don't, yeah, definitely don't despise small beginnings. Right. It's really only what I call them space aliens. There's only like a few space aliens who <laughs> go from school to like top. Yeah. <laughs> graduating from, uh, from school and getting a job. His first job was working on as an animator on King Kong. Uh, <laughs> Greg's a space alien. Right? Yeah. There's, there's a few of them out there. He's like, there's like, like LeBron James, you know, there's LeBron yeah, James. Yeah. He's a freaking space alien. Right. <laughs> And then, you know, and then you got a bunch of other guys who can have nice long careers um, who have to work hard and maybe they're not going to be all, you know, you know, all world. They're not going to be in the mention of the, the best two players who have ever, you know, put on shoes, but they can make all-star games. They can make uh -huh. a good living. Yeah. You know, yeah. you got your, you know, you got your, your James Hardens who are really, really good players, but you know, their first couple of years are like, they weren't that. Right. Right. You know? Yeah. So you just gotta, you gotta know, know yourself, know the business and be patient. Keep working. I want to jump in really quickly, yeah. but, and I think it's a, it's a, a very important golden nugget, right? And that is um, those little jobs, logos, animated a car or helicopter or the small things. You don't realize it, but it's, it's a gift in disguise because you're going to get your hands dirty. You're going to do a little something technical or you can get time to learn. Mm -hmm. You're going to get paid to learn. And down your career, like, you know, like we all have like really great careers now, but we all started doing like some small, boring, for the most part, most of us started doing some really small, boring stuff. But even today, like these learnings, these small jobs have value because you're going to have to one day teach it to another, you know, another animator or to maybe someone on your team. And you can learn from that. Like, don't take it for granted. You should look at every shot, every opportunity to animate or whatever you're doing as a learning experience. Even if you think you master it, learn how, like, if even you're a master at, you know, animating a logo, how, how can you explain it to someone how can you pitch that logo idea to someone because animating a logo is one thing pitching and explaining your ideas another and when you're going to work with directors you're going to need to do that so i think you know like keith was saying like uh, or uh, larry said you know small beginnings but big learnings and to yeah, me, yeah that was that was uh that was key gotcha yeah very nice to that something next to it is also don't despise people in small positions um, okay yeah because that's, I mean, one of the reasons why I was so put out early on was people, people did big time. Me. They, I, who, who's this guy? I don't care. Like, yeah, I don't know what they're doing now. I know what I'm doing. Um, I'm still making a living doing this stuff. Right. <laughs> um, I don't know what they're doing. And that, that despising of someone in a position lower than you is, is uh, it's a human condition. It's not germane just to animation, but um, just like small beginnings, as far as jobs or experiences, also people, because you know what, the people you work with now who are below you will one day be above you. Mm -hmm. A great example is like uh, when I was the animation director at real effects, there was a junior animator there named Brian Engram, who is just out of school. Yep. Brian Engram's now runs a studio called Brazen. Studios Brazen animation. Yeah. Dallas. And it is an amazing studio and I do work for him. 
Okay. I was his boss. I taught him a lot about how to be an animator, how to do the business. Um, and he'll, he'll agree with this. And then he goes on to, to do great things. And now when I'm freelance and I'm like, well, you know, I need to make a living, you know, I call up Brian and said, Hey, you need any help? And he's like, yeah, sure. I'm doing stuff for him now. So never, ever, ever take anything for granted. Never say, Oh, I'm, I'm working my way to this place. And mm. once I get to this place, it's the end. It's actually never the end. Mm. Um, cause I've yeah. worked at huge studios. I've worked at tiny studios. I've worked at places with tons of money. I've worked at places with no money. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I've been laid off. I've quit, you know? So, uh, you really do need to embrace the whole package. Mm. So I encourage students to always make friends with their fellow classmates because I'm not the guy who's going to get you a job. Well, maybe I will. But the guy who's going to really get you a job is your classmate who gets work. That's a great point. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Yeah, we've had Brian in on one of the podcasts as well. So that's too funny. He's a really nice guy. So, yeah, and I love what they're doing over there at Brazen Animation. So, um, yeah, too funny. Very funny. I work with, work with or know a whole lot of people. <laughs> <laughs> like I looked at, your, I looked at the, the, the instructor list that I animate and I'm like, I know you. Yeah. No. Oh, yeah. Well, he was a student of mine. Oh, okay. No, it's pretty. Fun. Very cool. Yeah. Small, small world, huh? It is very small. It's gotten a little bigger now, but I remember doing a like a little survey just on my own, um, probably in the early two thousands. Like, how many people are working as feature film animators at the time? I was doing feature stuff, working feature film animators in studios in the world, and at the time it was maybe seven, eight hundred people. Okay. And like you stop and think about it, that there's more players in the NBA, you know? Mm. So if you're an animator at that position in a studio around the world, you're like a professional athlete mm. you've achieved. And it's a, it's, it's, and it's a business very much like professional athletics where, Hey, you can be the nicest guy in the world, but if you can't do the job, right. Don't get the job. Right. Um, right. So you got to put in, it's a, it's much like professional athletes. You have to do a lot of work. There's a lot of work that goes into it, a lot of study, a lot of preparation, stuff that happens after hours. Yeah. You know, stuff that happens um, because you have a you have a burning desire to be better. Yeah. Yep. That's in, that's important. Yep. That's why I am it's here, and that's why we got guys like you teaching. So <laughs> Great. yeah. So from um uh Big Idea Studios, where you were kind of starting now to get more into character mm-hmm. animation as a whole, where did you jump to from there? Well, so look at your list here. You've been on Halo and uh, Dota and all these, you know, AAA type titles and such. So yeah. how did that transition that, over? Yeah, the game stuff kind of came later on. Um, I mean, I was doing um, film and video pretty much up until, I mean, the first game stuff I did was probably cinematics when I was at Real Effects. Okay. Back in 2004. No, no, take it back. Even before that, when I was at Blur, because that's where I went to next after Big Idea went bankrupt. Um, went to Blur and worked there on a bunch of different things. Um, cinematic type stuff? Yeah, yeah, mostly okay. cinematic stuff. And uh, also did a uh, short film. Uh, I was helping Jeff Fowler uh, take his original short film idea and kind of, because he was a younger guy, he had a clever idea, but he had no experience directing. So I helped him get that thing. It went on to be nominated for an Oscar. So, you know, had some hand in that. Um, <laughs> I, I felt good. I, felt I good. mean, 
Obviously, uh, you mean <laughs> just a little thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, I felt good. You know, you had a hand in everyone's like, career, man. I mean, that's like, right. Yeah, that's yeah. right. So, uh, <laughs> you know, I sat next to Tim Miller for the time I was there, and I always enjoyed Tim because you never, you never had to guess what Tim thought. <laughs> Tim's just like, you know, he, if some guys didn't like it. Some guys are like, I hate how blunt he is. I'm like, I love it, but. That's that's um, a funny thing because sometimes it's like man sometimes people don't have a filter and then other times you're like I can't they've, they've got the poker face on I can't tell what they're thinking yeah, and yeah. they're like oh that was good you're like okay was that like are you sure yeah yeah, but, yeah I have I have thoughts about that too when it comes to dailies and things you know I, I, when I teach now like I was just over in the Czech Republic teaching in Anomaly again for probably about the seventh very time. cool and uh, I love going over there one David Toshik's a great guy he's become a good friend and uh, he's got a really good program going on over there. And, um, I always tell these guys, man, you know, your job going into dailies is to give the director no questions. Um, uh, like he can't be watching the thing going, um, mm-hmm. he can't, you really should not put anything up there for somebody to say, what am I looking at? Cause if right. I have to ask what I'm looking at, then you didn't do your job. Mm. Uh, or if they go, uh, yeah, looks good. Keep going. That's, that's director speak for, I don't know what I'm looking at. Um, so I'm just uh, breaking a sweat hearing that. Like, yeah. I remember back, mm-hmm. you know, I remember when I had a, you know, you know, work with the director and I was like, you know, reporting to and showing my work to, to a director. And it's like, well, you know, yeah, keep, keep on going. You're like, Oh my God. Like yeah. that. I didn't nail it. <laughs> And now I'm like, oh, there goes my reputation. Like, I was killing it until now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I, yeah, being at Blur, I did some, did some cinematic stuff for games. Um, and then also again at Real Facts. And um, really, I mean, I had game job offers back in the 90s to work at uh, Presto Studios um, down in San Diego, back where Victor Navone started up. Oh, okay. Gotcha. <laughs> It's so weird. Now Vic's a huge star now, right? He's yeah, yeah. Royalty. I remember going to that interview and him saying, "I'm such a fan of yours." I'm like, "This is weird." Man. <laughs> so, uh, it was weird, but you know, Vic's super talented, you know, and he was working there at the time. They they went out of business. They made an offer, and I was like, "Eh, it's probably." I had a family, you know. I started this. I already had kids when I started animating. Um, I didn't really start getting into it until I was 24. Mm. So. I got a late start. So anybody who thinks, well, I'm too late. I got kids. I can't do it. No, no, man. That's right. Get get going. I like that. And, and, uh, so, but I couldn't afford to live on what they were offering in San Diego with two kids. I was like, we're going to be living in a shoebox. Um, and it's not their fault. It's a smaller studio. So that's what they do. And that's just the realities. I had another job offer in, I want to say 98 at uh, Sierra online. Oh, okay. Oakhurst, California. Yeah. They offered me the job. Um, six months before they went bankrupt and I had, I had the feeling, I don't know if it was mine or somebody else's from, from where, but I had the feeling I should just say no when they made the offer. It is beautiful. I mean, if you've ever been to Oakhurst, it's like, it's like five miles from Yosemite. Oh, wow. You're living at 3000 feet in the Sierra Nevadas in this little town. And you know, like we're looking at houses on Bass Lake. I'm thinking this is freaking amazing. <laughs> And then, you know, when they made the offer, I'm like, yeah, I just, I'm not feeling good about it. I said, no. And six months later, they, they shut the doors. Uh, um, 
which they needed um, you. They needed you, Keith. I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> I think they had bigger issues than, than uh, getting me to show up. So I've always kind of been around the game side of things. I didn't really get into the full game stuff until I started working at Valve, and that um, started in 2009. Now I've heard. Okay, I've heard Valve interviews are extremely. Uh, interesting and difficult they're the best <laughs> they're the best because when you go into games you're a developer not just an animator i just want to throw that out in everyone's face look at it. i'm gonna look at the camera you're not just an animator you're a game developer that means you right. need to diversify and make sure you have more than one skill that's right why that's why we we created i animate games just one for one of those reasons everyone yeah. thought like i just need to animate and that's it no, you don't. You need to know more than animation. And you see, I'm looking at this camera. You could zoom into the eyes. Make it a little fun. I mean, look at these eyes. Some, some of uh, the students, students that took my class, they know how, um, how sweet and, and honest I am, right? You know, look at my eyes. You need to know more than this animation. It's game development, right? Yeah. All right, there you go. Sorry, sorry so, to jump yeah, in on your No, that's on your fantastic. Like that's that, exactly right? what, you know, what Keith is talking about and, you know, learning a bit, much of different aspects, even if you don't end up using those, you're well-versed in how to learn these other aspects of, sure. of animation yeah, and yeah. CG. Yeah, you should educate yourself and, yeah. and, and get an appreciation, understanding of other disciplines. You don't yep. have to be a master of it, uh, but be, be able to, to, to communicate with each discipline because uh -oh. it, it will definitely help, uh, help you in your career. Yeah. That's my yeah. opinion, anyways. Did we freeze? Oh, sorry, sorry, Keith, man. It's, it's all you, brother. Uh, you did kind of freeze a little bit. Um, you got this nice stern look on your face. Okay, there, there we go. Back. All right, you're okay. back. Yeah, okay. All right. I didn't, know, I didn't know what happened. I don't know if that was my <laughs> side or your side or what. <laughs> <laughs> so from Valve, so can you tell a little bit about the, uh, the interview? Or how, I mean, because you, you said you were familiar sure, yeah. with games a bit, but you were primarily in uh, more cinematics and feature type stuff. So how did that sure. work for you getting in there? Um. Yeah, I guess the, the best way to describe it is just uh, their number one thing that they care about there. I don't think I'm speaking out of school. Um, is that they're really more interested in how you think. Okay. And, and how you make decisions. And uh. that's super important to them because everything comes down to decision making and, and how you prioritize not only your time, but you work on uh, how you prioritize which battles to engage, which hills to die on, uh, how you how you decide, you know, which features to explore and which ones not, mm. uh, how you, it also speaks a lot about how you collaborate. Um, so, you know, speaking to what the, what Rick was saying earlier, I think the number one, aside from just learning a bunch of different disciplines, which does make you conversant with other people or other disciplines, you can speak their language, right? Um, which is way more important than people give credit for. But the other side of it is I think the number one skill to master is the ability to learn and mm. keep learning. And yeah, learn. yeah. That's the mm -hmm. number one skill to master if you want to be in animation for games or even in animation in general. But there are, like in the, the film studio structure, they do wall you off and they do sit you down in, the, in a thing. And if there's any problem with your shot, some, some technical director comes and whisks it away and magically makes it better. And then it may come back to you and it's like the problem's fixed. <laughs> And you don't have to worry about how it's integrated. You don't have to know jack squat about the pipeline. Nothing, right? Games is not like that. Games, mm. you really do need to have the ability to understand how to learn how things happen. Um, because every game studio has a completely different pipeline. Mm. It's all dependent and, and it's all contingent upon the engine they're using. And 
while in recent years we've kind of settled in on just save a myasthenia, it gets compiled. Uh, it wasn't always the case, you know. Um, and so it depends on the engine. It also depends on the constructs of what the game needs. Uh, the, you know, also depends on the platform. Like, you know, PlayStation has different um, benefits and, and pros and cons. You know, like one's better at texture memory. The other one's better at geometry. The other one's better at uh, compressed stuff. And like all these different machines have different strengths. And when you make a title, you have to understand, oh, when we're, when we're shipping on this platform, we can't get crazy with textures. Mm. But we can do anything we want with Geo. Um, you know, that kind of thing, because it's all about memory allocation and cycles and stuff. And do you need to know that as an animator? No, but you need to be able to at least engage in the conversation, not tune out and go, oh, I don't really care. (laughs) Just tell me why you wanted to move. (laughs) You know, you got to be willing to dig in. So, uh, you know, to dig in with the, you know, the interview process was just putting you to work. And uh, they just... They put you to work. They come up with scenarios, and then it's up to you how you solve it. Gotcha. Uh, and how you engage the how you get, how you engage the problem, how you think about it, how you talk about it. Um, and that's really they're really interested in people who have that capacity. That's not true of every place, um, but I think they had to do that there because there is no management structure. There's nobody who can come up and tell you your job now is to do this. Mm. It's all self-directed. Gotcha. And which has its own kind of chaos. You know? <laughs> um, and it's, it comes like anything, you know, you, you can look at it and say, Oh, it's, it's perfect. Yeah, in this context, it's mm-hmm. great. And in, in this context, it's like, well, that's a disaster. Um, and you just have to learn how to navigate that just like anywhere else. Right. Um, but yeah, that was the fun thing about getting into it. I enjoyed the interview process. At the time, I didn't know Valve was hard to get into. I didn't. Even, wasn't even really honestly interested in, in getting back into the studio business because after getting burnt out after Real Effects and after uh, after DNA went under, I I was like, you know what? I'm just going to teach. I had my own teaching online for a while, for about four or five years. Um, had my own business doing that. I, we moved to Brazil. You know, we just like I'm not doing this anymore. I don't want to work the overtime, the crazy demands, the studio life was and just pretty much burnt me out and. Um, so we moved to Brazil and we were doing water filters and medical clinics in the bush with people. And I was teaching, you know, animation to make, to pay the bills when, you know, when we lived back in the city, I just do that. And um, when we came back to the States, just a friend of mine, Mark Bean, he was up at, at Valve. He just reached out to me and said, Hey, do you have that script? Cause we we're always like doing little metal scripts and stuff and sharing them like little tools. He says, oh, I can't find this little, little geo proxy thing we made back at DNA. Do you have it? I'm like, yeah, yeah, here it is. So I sent it to him in the email. And he's like, so how's Brazil? I'm like, oh, well, actually, we're back now. I was like, oh, interesting, cool. Well, you know, you're on our list of people we'd like to talk to. I'm like, okay, wow, cool. I guess. Um, I guess they had that at the time. I, I don't, I don't know. Uh, I wasn't super into like what they were doing. I knew about Team Fortress, and I remember Half Life, although I didn't remember enjoying playing it. Um, I know that's like, oh my, you might make a lot of people mad and say, well, how can you say that like, I, just, it just wasn't, it wasn't, I guess it wasn't my jam I guess but it, I, I understood it was groundbreaking at the time I was like this is really cool but it's kind of not my bag um, I'm weird about games you know it, and, and that's fine uh, so anyways I was like yeah, well, that's pretty cool and at the time I was still doing the teaching and I wasn't sure I wanted to get back into it and they said well 
come on up. We'll we'll have an interview and, and all that jazz. And, and looking back at it now, looking at some of the emails they sent me, they're like, oh, I'll try to prepare me for the interview process. <laughs> I was like, yeah, whatever, right, cool. Okay, fine. And so I just showed up and decided I don't even know if I want a job right now. Um, but I haven't been to Seattle before. Uh, I have about four or five friends who are working here that I've worked with at other studios before. Mm-hmm. And at the very least, I'll get, a, I'll get a trip out of it. I'll get to go see Seattle, have a nice dinner, see some old friends, have some fun. Just wing it, right? Uh-huh. Got in the interview process and I was just, I had a blast. I was like, <laughs> this is so fun. Like, well, you want me to solve that kind of problem? Yeah, sure. And this is, uh, and, and the funny thing is, you know, uh, I think it was an administrative error because they brought Mike Belzer in the same day. Mm. Um, and, uh, you know, and we thought, well, there's only one position and there's only one of us going to get it. And they stopped my interview at lunch. And normally they're scheduled for like all day. That's what I've heard. Yeah. At 10 in the morning and you go all the way to four in the afternoon. And every hour is a new thing you have to go through. And so uh, after lunch, uh, they just called me into the conference room. And I thought, well, I guess I didn't get the job. Yeah, thanks, time. but no thanks. Yeah, they said, uh, yeah, there's no need to continue. We really love you. You want the job. Nice I compliment. Like, I was like, yeah, I'm sure. Well, <laughs> I guess. Um, let me go home and think about it. And I remember everybody took us out to dinner that night. And, and all, you know, the animators like, congratulations and all this stuff. And at the time, I still didn't get it. I still did not understand. Like, no, this is really, really hard to do. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not really sure I'm going to take it. And they're like, what? I'm like, I'm just not sure, you know, and I, just because I was so burnt out off the, off the, the business. And, and uh, it really was the only place I think I could have gone back to. So what was it about it that um, kind of made you feel comfortable going in? Because particularly even games being kind of new to you in that regards. Mm-hmm. Was it well, something else? Yeah, that part was just like, oh, cool. I get to learn something. Okay. I get bored. Like, uh, if you ask me to just sit down and do feature animation now, oof, I got about two months in me before I'm like climbing the wall. <laughs> I just want to learn something. You know, uh, I want to, I want to, my brain likes solving puzzles. Gotcha. Um, not for games, but just like, I like solving problems. I like taking a look at a set of circumstances and a set of tools or a set of ways people do things and thinking, well, how can we do this? differently that gives us results that maybe we're not getting now or mm. it's just a different mindset um and it's kind of half technical half artistry kind of in that weird in-between world right um i feel like i'm i'm the <laughs> i feel like i'm the the ferryman on the river sticks you know between the artists and the technical <laughs> guys um so learning was the was a fun part but the thing was just understanding like talking to my friends and saying just be honest with me like how how bad is the work here like do they kill you? Like, what's the overtime like? What's the crunch times like? Because that's what was I'm, even now most I'm concerned saying, about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I'm like, I- I'll work at Home Depot before I kill myself again um, because I just didn't want to. I just there's a certain point where you can do that to a point, and then you can't do it anymore. Right, right. And um, after 20 years of it, I was just like, I can't kill like that. Um, but I got some reassurance that that's not how it was, and. It, it, it bore itself out. I mean, it's the longest I've ever worked in any studio. Hmm. I worked there nine years. Okay. Um, and, and it's, it's, it was a great experience in many, many ways, a super wonderful experience. I did work some overtime, but it was because I decided to. And that was the most empowering thing about it was gotcha. to say, okay, I understand what we're doing as a team. 
as a team, I understand we have this, this thing we're trying to accomplish here. Um, you know what? Let's, I don't mind. Let's go ahead. You know, this week I'll put in some grind, you know, I'll put in some grind. I'll make it up to myself later. And that's what we did. You just make it up to yourself later. I didn't have to do this weird little thing like asking permission for days off or just hoping that they give me a small bonus to, to compensate for the blood that I poured out. Um, you know, it just wasn't that it was, you make the decision. And I decided, yeah, so I, I probably worked, I don't know, I want to say maybe 15, 20 days of overtime in nine years. Nah. Um, Any favorite titles you worked on during that time? Oh, my favorite thing of all was Portal 2. Okay. Um, I was one of three or four animators on it. And mm. so, you know, the co-op bots, you know, the way they move and stuff, the idols, worked all that stuff out. Um, was also a rigger on it, you know. Okay. So, because uh, we had uh, Tristan Redford, who was an amazing, amazing artist. Like, his guy is freaking amazing. Like, everybody at Valve is amazing, pretty much. And he was designing these things on paper, but at the same time building them in Maya with some little rigging bits in them. But they weren't, like, production rigs. They were just, like, proof of concept ideas. But, you know, um, they weren't super stable, you know, with all these different things. Because it was just like, oh, let's just try this thing out. Let's try that thing out. And it wasn't his job, right? He was just, like, kind of... I'm finding the the character and the shape and then how the mechanics and the intricacies of it. And so what I would do is I just take his work and then reinterpret it in a way that would go into production where it was reliable, you know, and not saying his stuff wasn't, but just less prototype. Rings are easy to break. Yeah. Yeah. Less prototype, more production. Right. Mm -hmm. And also compilable. Right. So I had to write compile scripts to turn all these little constraints into game constraints rather than trying to, capture the animation on bones because that's again storage space issues um so i had to re learn everything about the 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 witchcraft world of writing qc scripts <laughs> things and um but it was just such a fun fun game it was such a great group of people to work with it just it was really fantastic it was there was something about it, it was like man i could i could keep doing that that's gotcha fun. Um, and to my ever, to my ever great morning soul, like we'd never made another one. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I did, I did that, um, worked on some stuff for TF, uh, did some, didn't do a bunch for Dota for gameplay, but did more of the promotional side of things. There was a period of time there where I didn't work on a game where I was, um, uh, doing research and development with another animator, Matt Scott. We were we were on the uh, the team that was working on developing Source Two, the engine for us, and exploring like what what does the en what does the engine need for an animation system? Mm. So, did you ever think you'd like, find yourself in a position like that? Never, never. Okay, <laughs> um, but it was like fantastic. Like, is again, it was all about learning, all about exploring, all about trying to find things, and it was really just it's two guys who are animators, and we're in a room with a with you know with a bunch of high level programmers, and we're just like we're on their level, right? Not like at their level, like we're building features and stuff. Right. Nobody looked at us like, oh, you're the junior bacon cheeseburger version. <laughs> you're like, we're, we're co-authors in this thing and, and how it works out and coming up with the rules and, and stuff like that. And then also talking with them about well, how the interface should look. And, uh, you know, so there was other people kind of mixing in and out of that stuff. So I did that for probably a year, maybe a year and a half. There's another year in there where uh, we got a Vicon motion capture system and because Valve does not have departments, we did not have a technician to run it like most places. Mm. So uh, Aaron Halifax and I, another animator, 
uh, we looked at the system and defined a bunch of scripts and macros and a process so that it could be a single use system. Um, you can come in into the Vicon room, like big system, and if you can basically follow directions on a video that plays on the thing, and if you can click buttons and you can read English, you can run the mocap yourself. <laughs> and awesome. so it became, um, you know, so I did the my I focused on the Maya side, writing scripts to integrate that. And he worked on the Vicon Blade side because he was more familiar with that uh, or more comfortable with that. And between the two of us, we we made it so that you can come in, ROM yourself, sync the thing. I mean, there's a lot of very technical stuff to a Vicon system. We made it so that a single user could do it, and animators use it. Like, and it became like the what I call 3D video reference. Mm. Gotcha. Because you get this stuff and you bring it back in, and you you know, by the time you're unsuited and put back in your street clothes, you go back to your desk, there's an email telling you where your data is. <laughs> and you go grab it, you bring it in. And I wrote some tools in, in Maya to help people integrate it and stuff. And, um, and, and I'm kind of been messing with that now, even expanding on that idea now that I'm not there, but expanding on it with like personal mocap suits. Mm. Like the, the class I just taught in the Czech Republic, we had a Rococo suit, which the guys out of Sweden have these little, um, they're kind of like what Xsense used to be, you know, the, the gyroscopic suits. They're not yeah. optical, right? Um, and so these guys, Rococo, they make these suits for like 2500 bucks, which is like, that's uh, different than a million dollars. Um, and uh, we had the students playing with it, and I wrote some scripts for the, to, to, to have them kind of treat it like, hey, just treat this like your 3D video reference. Mm. Bring it in and hook up your rigs and use these scripts and tools that I wrote to kind of make it and turn it into a blocking thing. So instead of having this dense data on all this bones at 120 frames per second, it is the frames that you choose on the controllers on your rig, and now it's a blocking pass. Gotcha. Now go. And the students loved it. And so I did that for a while at Valve. Uh, did some video work too. Worked on the video team where, you know, shot the big giant international tournaments, uh, you know, with a red camera and I did color grading and uh, <laughs> editing and just like, it's a place that was like, it was like, it reminded me of being back at Big Idea, back in that little room with those guys where there's just 12 of us and we got a show to make. Got and to like, do something. Okay, yeah. you do this, you do this, you do this, you do this, I'll do this, we'll help with that. It was just like this sandbox and it was just a sandbox with all freaking ton of money uh, <laughs> uh, as a company right and it's just yeah. like there was no resource it was just like i worked for so many years at small studios i finally get to a place that and i'm like i'm sitting there trying like like well what do, you know i'm not real sure i'm in my whole life i've occurred you know like well i'm not sure we and they're like just get it like, with, with, well, you know, when we're up in the mocap room, we're like, well, you know, we're probably going to have to do, you know, maybe get some of these things. And it's like, okay, cool. Here's a credit card. Go get it. Like, sure. I'll spend it. <laughs> um, so, uh, but it wasn't just spending it to spending. It was because it was like, it, 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 it was a possibility. Right. And, and it opened doors and it made the whole thing better. Um, so that was really the fun part about it. Just being able to dive in, make new things, try and use things in different ways, put square pegs in round holes and see what happens. Yeah. <laughs> now, Rick, from your experience, you know, I'm hearing this, this is a very different experience. I'm assuming from studio to studio. Yeah. What, 
what um, do you hear that's uh, similar from studios that you are familiar with and worked with? And maybe what's different that, you know, students or artists can kind of, as they're getting used to or jumping into games that they would kind of might expect? All right. So um, I'm going to say something and I'm going to ask the question again, just sure. to make sure that I'm going to say something. And hopefully that's what you asked. If not, I'll ask the question again. Okay. Um, so the question was like, like what's similar, what's different from what, what Keith just said? Well, yeah. um, let me, I'm going to just try to sum it up pretty quickly. And, and um, so, every, so our listeners can get something valuable out of it. I think um, it's important to, okay, one is important to learn. And we're going to talk, obviously, you know, we're, we're on, you know, we do a lot of training, but uh, learning is really important. And, and Keith mentioned that, that it's uh, um, like, don't lose that. Like, because you, you have to have that, that mindset to want to learn if you want to continue a long career and, mm-hmm. and even improve your career. So you're going to have to want to learn and be open to ideas. Um, so who you're learning from is really important and, and what and how you learn is also important. The, the things that I find that are really interesting. So every studio is different. You know, some studios like, you know, they have their a unique pipeline and, you know, you get hired and you're put into one position and that's all you need to focus on. And other studios, um, you know, make you need to have more than one skill set. You need to be able to adapt and kind of, uh, you know, figure things out and be a problem solver, which uh, Keith experience is, has been uh, heavily about uh, dealing and uh, overcoming uh, the challenges of production, the challenges of of costs and and deadlines and resource, and that's why I think uh, one reason why I'm ha- I'm happy that he's here is that he has this type of experience. So, w- the things I find similar is that is in and especially in mobile games, right? For those who uh, and I think that's a great beginning for many animators out there because you're going to get a chance to learn and and I I have. You know, you know, I started like most uh, most young animators. I started from the bottom, and I wake, I work my way up, to studio director and creative director. But I appreciate all the small learnings, and I appreciate all those uh, young artists. Doesn't matter if you're artist, program, VFX. Doesn't matter. I appreciate everything. Um, but what is different from these two kind of type of studios is what you're exposed to do and what you have to do. Keith built a, a, you know, he's, he's phrased as, as, as a director an animation director or director, but also as an animator, but he's done rigging. He's done uh, cinematography. uh, He's done editing, does color correction. um, You know, he he set up a mocap studio. He, he didn't limit himself to one thing. And that is uh, reason why you know I animate we created the the game uh, the games program the creature program and the motion capture program the unreal program is because we don't want anyone out there to limit their self they you should if you're not learning then you are not uh, you're you're not taking your career your future uh, responsibly mm-hmm. I know it sounds really harsh but I'm just <laughs> being honest right I'm being super honest um, you should always look to invest in, in yourself. I'm investing myself and I like, I have a phenomenal position uh, at Ubisoft. I have, uh, you know, they've been uh, amazing with me and all kinds of, 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 um, 
you know, they really have faith in me and, and let me, you know, I don't say that just let me do anything that <laughs> I want, but they give a lot of trust and I respect and I respect it and cherish that. But, but you, I take my career seriously. I, I continue to, to look at, at, you know, different kind of training or books or videos or just, I just watch, you know, a lot of uh, behind the scenes. I sit down with other, actually uh, just before coming here, uh, you know, for the podcast, um, you know, I had a talk with another creative director and we're just talking about, uh, you know, the ins and outs of Ubisoft and, you know, because I'm, you know, creating working on creating a new IP. I just needed, I needed advice and I, you know, yes, uh, you know, great position going great, but I still go out and look for experience and knowledge. Right. Every studio is different. You know, if you go into a studio and you're placed in one, in one, uh, you know, one position, you're just an animator. All you do is animate and you hand off a file. Great. Enjoy it. Become a great animator, but don't stop there. Because your career, you won't, it's rare, it's very rare that you're going to stay in one studio for so long, right? It's just a natural, it's, it's a natural thing. I believe it's a natural thing for artists to want to always explore and challenge himself. He said it himself, like, you know, he just, he wanted to, he's, he loves problem solving, right? Especially if you're in the game industry, you're going to love naturally, unknowingly probably, you're going to love to problem solve. You're going to love to get your hands dirty or you're going to love to ask questions. You're going to love to try things and you're going to have to realize that that's going to help you become a great artist. So let me ask you this. Did I answer your question? Absolutely. Yes. Okay, Cause, good. Because that's a very unique situation, the Valve one, but I'm wondering how, like I said, it, yeah. to give a proper yeah. uh, picture of the game at, industry in at general. Ubisoft, at Ubisoft, Every it, Ubisoft is is amazing. Let me tell you, like, I gotta say it. Like I'm not, <laughs> I'm not just because I worked there. Because I worked there, like like I don't know, like sixteen, eighteen, I don't know how many years ago. And I just came back recently, like a year and a half, two years ago. I I'd have to say Ubisoft is a wonderful place. We're really, it's a really great lot of talent. But so I, I'll tell you this: that every production at Ubisoft, it's its own mini studio. Like mm-hmm. it doesn't matter if it's the you know the Assassin's Creed Rainbow Six or whatever. Each team is like a mini studio. Mm-hmm. The way they work is different. So if you can become adaptive, or you can make yourself be prepared in case that need comes, you're in a good situation. So Ubisoft, everyone thinks Ubisoft has one type of pipeline. It does not. I go to one team, look at their work. It is totally separate. There's a team that's doing some great work and they're a smaller team and they don't do just one thing, right? An animator not, you know, could rig and, and could, you know, do some markups and, and technical setups and graphs, like, you know, what we, what we teach in Unreal class. And, and on, a, on a huge giant project, you know, uh, an animator is just dedicated to one system. You might be just working on cover, and another animator would doing uh, you know uh, combat. Another animator would do you know like the living city. So it's every studio is different, but I can say from Ubisoft, every production is different. How funny! And you're gonna you're gonna throw you. Yeah, at Valve. I mean, you know, there's a few of our instructors that that uh, that used to work at Valve. Um, and they come from Valve, and, and I visit Valve, and I have to say, Valve is a, it's, it's a pretty, it's pretty amazing, and I really appreciate the mindset where, uh, like, like you said, it's like uh, they give you a, a sense of ownership. You are responsible to uh, to deliver. You work like 
no one gives you uh, like no one's from what I remember, no one's really saying you need to do this by tomorrow. It's really like you commit into trying to uh, bring something great to the table. And um, you know, if you find something that's going to, you guys going to work great, you could work for a period of time with that person to develop something. I, I like that mindset of, of like, Hey, you know, do what you need to do. Right. right. Just, uh, just do it. Like in film, you know, the production of a real, a real, you know, triple uh, high end quality film, you know, 200, $300 million film or, or whatever, maybe 10 million. The production pipeline is totally different. You animate, you know, you go in, you get your layout, right? Sometimes your layout is completely done. You see the character moving on screen. Your, your camera work is completely done. All you need to do is make sure the audio is up to date and you animate to the audio. Obviously, uh, your focus, your laser focus on, on, you know, 15 frames, 120 frames, or 300 frames, 900 frames, doesn't really matter, but your laser focus on performance versus on some products, your laser focus on the giant picture, meaning right. you're in a game. Doesn't matter if it's, you know, triple A or mobile, you're focused on how it feels, how it looks, how it, how it, uh, how the input reacts. Responsiveness. Yeah. Yeah. The responsiveness that all is, is what, uh, is what I think people need to take away from. I mean, I could just talk on and on. Like I could go, I mean, I'm, I've been, I consult with a lot of different studios. I'm directing, I'm animating, I'm shooting mocap. I like, I'm like, I'm doing everything. I'm writing a script right now and working on like, like I could talk all day about this. <laughs> but uh, yeah. But, but the thing that's, uh, you know, it's kind of fits for people. I mean, people get into games because they like, you initially said, Keith, you know, not, you know, problem solving, not necessarily in the game, but you go, if you enjoy games, that's kind of why you got into it. You, you know, I'm, playing one of my favorite games, Legend of Zelda, you know, off in that time and you're Classic. problem solving, you know? <laughs> so then you go, okay, well, if I'm making the game, you're, you know, you're doing something similar. You're problem solving. You're figuring out how to accomplish this. So I think it just breeds a certain type of people who want to get into that because they enjoy that aspect of, of this industry. Yeah. Um, I find that people who are animators because they like to just focus on motion and performance tend to feel pretty stifled in game environments. Not always, but it, because, you know, if you just look at it and this, my younger version of myself, I mean, I'm just going to cop to my own stupidity in, in my <laughs> early years. I'm like, I don't want to, I don't want to work in games because I don't want to just do cycles all day. Cause I was only thinking like, I'm just an animator. Gotcha. Right? Thinking I'm just an animator. I was just looking at, well, what are the kinds of things I'm going to be doing? Uh, don't think about it that way. Don't think in terms of like, uh, oh, games. If you're just an animator in games, I think that's a, you're selling yourself and you're also selling the entire the entire paradigm short right because um, it is really about as a collaborator you know if a, if a developer comes to you or a programmer and he says hey we got this thing we have these limitations or we have these requirements um or if in play testing uh the note comes back i mean i never worked at a place that did anything but people making the game play test the game um, but i know that there's other places that do qa notes come back and stuff but I really think if you're working on a game, you should play it uh, at all stages so that you know you can make your own decisions and get things and test it out. But it's not just an idol. It's like, it's like how can I make this experience fun for the person with the right. controller in their hand? And that's a different mandate than how can I make this arc beautiful? Mm. Um, and if you are fixated on how can I make this arc beautiful without understanding what that arc even means, 
to communicate what's happening in this environment to the person with the controller, um, you're missing the boat. Like you may be, you may be in the water, but you're not on the boat. You know? <laughs> um, and, and so uh, it really is about being a collaborative problem solver. And That's great. The, the area where you problem solve is something they can't do. Like mm -hmm. a programmer is not going to make a good animation that reads and they may not even know how to articulate what the problem is. Mm -hmm. They may come to you and say, it needs to be faster. And you're like, it's three frames, man. Just delete it. Maybe that's the case, right? Uh, it, it, it is often. <laughs> yeah, three yeah, frames. Yeah. Like, hey, man, just, uh, just change the motion graph connected directly. Gone. Right, yeah. yeah. Um, Etsy but told you. It works. They yeah. don't even know how to, a lot of times people don't even know how to articulate what the problem is. And that's true. Even I've worked with directors on, on the film side who could not tell you exactly how they what they were problem mm. it just felt like this isn't working and you're right. like i gotta find a way yeah and, and that comes back and like like you said and you know we, we like uh you remember i told you about your first little assignment you're like well, the logo you might be amazing at that logo but learn how to pitch it learn how to explain <laughs> it you remember i said that earlier and sure. that is key like you think that little logo is just a logo no it's actually you potentially learning how to to be a senior animator a lead animator uh, a supervisor uh an assistant director or a director or someone that that create like you know it's going to be able to pitch something like explain how to explain yeah as a as a director, I remember when I was just, um, I started, you know, I just started as, a, as an animator. And then so like, I, you know, was very fortunate uh, that people saw or were interested in what I was bringing to the table. And I became a young director and I realized that I knew exactly what I wanted. And I was like, like, and I, you know, I still sometimes still do it just because I enjoy it. I'll be like, okay, move, move. I'll just do it. And I'm like, <laughs> boom, 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 boom. See, just like that. You get it? All right, bye. But I learned, I was realized like, oh man, I need to take time to explain it or to explain to the actor on set. I'm like, because I do a lot of, um, you know, I won't call it acting because that would be uh, insulting actors out there. And I respect my actors, right? And I respect the actors. But I'll do like, um, you know, reference of me, you know, uh, demonstrating the type of uh, what I was trying to aim to get at. And like, mm -hmm. this is what I'm looking for. And I'm like, here, like that, you know? And I didn't verbalize it or use, um, you know, a certain, you know, there's different directing methods, but, you know, use verbs or keywords or or, you know, paint the, the, the tone, the, the picture for the, the artist to be able to immerse himself or, you know, respect the, the trust that I have. Like, I didn't know that until I learned it. And, and these are things like, I actually learned that when I was teaching, when I was training animators back in the days at Ubisoft, when I, before I animated, I used to train animators. Um, I didn't realize that I was actually learning how to teach and train people, but I just yeah, yeah. did it. And then I realized, so... Don't take, don't take those small things for granted. Just yeah, yeah. do, um, try to be the best version of you. That's, I think yeah. if I could sum it up, try, try that and strive for that. And, and, and when you, when you fail, enjoy it because that's a learning. And when you succeed, enjoy it because that was a learning that worked, yeah, you know? Yeah. So yeah, it's a mindset. What do you, uh, this is your first term here. We're getting just mm -hmm. kicking off actually this week. Um, so I don't know when this podcast will be released, probably in a couple weeks from here, but from this point forward, yeah. Um, what are you looking forward to teaching our students? 
Um, well, what I, I think uh, I'm bringing a little bit of, uh, of a different perspective on it. Um, a lot of times, what folks who who teach in, in scenarios like this, they um, they're they're in a studio environment and and they may have worked at one or maybe two places, um, or they have a particular way of working. I, uh, for better or for worse, I've seen it all, <laughs> um, and I've seen a lot of the bad, and I've seen a lot of the good. Uh, yeah. I've seen it's called war. <laughs> I've seen fire. I've seen rain. Yes. <laughs> yeah. uh, I feel like uh, you know. I feel like I'm Rutger Hauer on the on the mm-hmm. rooftop and in Blade Runner. <laughs> you know, uh, but no, I've I've got a lot of a lot of different. I've worked from everything from where I had to bring my own computer to work. <laughs> yeah, to a place where they give you a credit card and say, "Don't worry about it," um, and. That's, and they're that's, both fun. Yeah. And they're both fun for their own reasons, right? Yes, and, they and, are. Um, I also I, I enjoy teaching. I've always had the the that thing because teaching helps me understand. Mm-hmm. It helps me um, break down what it is I do so that I can make a process that works and is reliable, although not rigid. But as a starting point, I, mm-hmm. when I was younger, I used to think, well, the things I've discovered in in my teaching. These were these were rigid things, and then as I've gotten older, I realized, nah, a hammer is a great hammer, but it sucks as a screwdriver. <laughs> so, um, and the vice versa as well. So, I mean, way back in the late '90s, I was doing tutorials because yeah. nobody was doing it. Yeah, yeah. And we were all like, every one of us was lost, and I just had either the chutzpah or the or the lack of self awareness and intelligence to realize that I'm not that far ahead of everybody. I'm not very far ahead at all, but I have found a few things. So let me share with what I found. Gotcha. And it was like putting a glass of water in a desert for a lot of people, apparently. Yeah. Um, Cause I don't, I mean, I know I'm not supposed to like my raised to be a humble guy, but I'm also told don't sell yourself short. And honestly, there's an entire generation of working professional animators right now. We're there because somebody put a glass of water in a desert. Yep. And, you know, so I, that I, guy was you. I put that yep. out there. Yeah, 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 I was one of them. That's what and, I thought. Like I said, it was just so cool when I knew we were trying to set up the podcast with you, and Robbie had brought that up, and he didn't know obviously uh, that you were one of our instructors, and for him just to mention that, and like I said, I mean, I've been in the industry long enough too. I, your name is synonymous with early stuff in in CG. So um, yeah, yeah. I feel like the yeah, like weird. It's weird, right? And now, now I'm, you know, I'm not that old. But right. <laughs> no, no, but the business, no, but CG is, you know, fast. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Fast and, and it grows so fast and it keeps evolving, which is another reason why you got to keep learning. Yeah. Because if you're going to be rigid about certain things, like again, in the early 2000s, the idea of working with motion capture was like, go ahead and shoot me now. Right? <laughs> um, now I'm like, motion capture is fun. Like oh, I want amazing. to use it. And, and the idea of authorship, having the ability to own it, um, was probably the biggest thing. I didn't at the time didn't realize that's what I was losing, but you know, so what I want to bring is like this 25 plus years of seeing everything Gotcha. from, from the low to the high to everything in between. So stuff that worked to stuff that didn't work stuff that I can bring from all different kinds of environments. I mean, I, I, I use uh, examples of things I've learned when I was with people who were illiterate in, in the bush and because we had to explain to people here's how you use a water filter mm. because it wasn't like just you know, like there's a way because i maintain it and like you have to explain this stuff to people who can't read right um 
and can't write. And it's like, okay. So that, that, that adventure of, I like seeing people get it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's like, and I have to say quickly, um, I'm I'm really happy and I'm, I'm I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled for 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 the students uh, for two. I'm going to say two reasons, and then um, I'll, I'll give back the mic. Is first reason is because um, animate is very personal, right? I believe in in uh, if you can help others uh, grow and do well, it's going to have a wonderful positive impact on their careers on on their future, on their future, on the, and even potentially their families. You know, sometimes I get uh, artists that come to do my master class or, or some of my training or, or some of my coaching. And, and I'm, I know that I'm not just training them. I'm actually having a positive impact on their careers and in their future. And, and Keith also has that passion. Like, you know, I want to help others. And, I, and that's really important to, to myself, to I animate right. and, and all our instructors that giving is, is, is really important. And the second thing is really important, which uh, I don't think many, um, many students or people realize is that we are um, at a new uh, transition in, in our industry, right? We have, um, you know, we have AR, VR, and, um, and, uh, oh man, I just had a, a, a brain fart. Um, uh, you know, when you can, um, uh, what's that called? A deep fake, right? Deep oh, fake. Yeah, that's right? deep crazy. fake kind of tech. Yeah, that type ta- uh, that type of technology where you know we're talking about how you know uh, you know Will Smith, you know how they uh, digitized him, how he is owner of himself, his mm-hmm. digital, his data, his himself. Like we are in a new transition when when it used to be two D, then it was three D, and then mocap came in. There is there is uh on the horizon, some new stuff. Right. And, and I don't want to say too much in case there's something that um, I might do and, and use, but there, there's a new horizon and you need to realize that. And all the animators that are like super focused, like I just want to do film or like uh, we're getting so close to uh, closing the gap between film and games and making it real time. Right. So consider that possibility from um, 2d to 3d then from 3D to motion capture and then from motion capture into what is the future? You know, is it real time? Is it, what is it? It has yet to been set in stone, but you should, and I'm saying this with all the love. And again, I'm looking at the camera. Uh, call me, invest in yourself, do something, you know, take, take, take a uh, workshop or read a book, do something and, and, and invest in yourself. Take Bro, care of yep. your career, take care of your future. Yeah. So yeah, that's it. I dropped the mic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Keith, we really just appreciate you. Like I said, again, just getting you in here on this podcast, but also yeah. teaching and taking that knowledge of 20 plus years and, and being able to disperse it to, uh, many other people. So uh, yeah, thank cool. you again for the podcast as well as being in our, our instructor. I'm humbled and thanks for having me. It's uh, it's, it's fun. I could, I could rattle on about this stuff all day. <laughs> we'll have to do it again then. I got a million stories, man. If you ever just want to sit around and just shoot the breeze on like stuff, man, <laughs> I could go on for hours and hours. It's, uh, <laughs> it's been an adventure and, uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm honored to actually have a chance to help some some people maybe begin or further their own adventure. Awesome. Because uh, you know, I've I've actually done some pretty crappy jobs. I've uh, I've ripped asbestos out of condemned buildings for, for dollars before <laughs> before I got into this business. I've 
I've I've shoveled poop for, <laughs> for this, literally. So uh, this this business has its ups and downs, but I'll tell you what, the ups are pretty cool, and the downs still ain't bad as shoveling poop. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for that that closing line. I do. That's that's a great way to end this. <laughs> All, right. All right, gentlemen. Thank you so much. Thanks.